Broadcasting lives from the salon, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name's Taya, and I'm joined by my voodoo dolls, Louisa and Zeba. And unfortunately, Mila can't join us for this episode due to technical difficulties. If you would like to hear one extra bonus episode consisting of an interview we did with a writer, producer, and hoodoo practitioner, Ariadne Knight, then head over to our Patreon and pledge to hear extra episodes. Go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. In season three of American Horror Story, a coven of witches descended from Salem move into a school for witches in New Orleans and have to fight for survival in a world of witch hunters and persecution. The coven are particularly vulnerable at this time because they are facing a natural change in leadership when one supreme matures and comes into her power and the old one weakens and dies to allow the coven to continue. However, the current leading supreme, Fiona Good, refuses to give up her crown and threatens any young witch she believes to be the next supreme. Matters are made even more complicated by the long-standing feud between the witches and the black voodoo practitioners across town, led by powerful voodoo priestess Marie Laveau. I mean, after all, your kind and my kind have been going after each other for centuries. Though it is kind of like a hammer going after a nail everything you got you got from us did you bob voodoo slave girl who graced us with her black magic she couldn't tell a love potion from a recipe for chocolate chip cookies if she had to relive. i wanted to talk about how when we were first launching the pod each of us posted what our favorite mon femme was on the Instagram and your favorite mon femme, Zeba, was Marie Laveau. So I wanted to know why, why she's your favorite mon femme. I mean, I think mostly it's just Angela Bassett. I cannot say she would be my favorite if she was played by anybody else, but I just think that, you know, unfortunately, as the seasons go on, she did not have the role that I would want her to have in the larger cinematic universe that is American Horror Story. But I think as far as her position in that universe, I think she's very unique and very powerful in a way that we don't really see amongst like other mon femmes. Like I think she like I just love that her power is so long standing. Like she has been there for ever i just love how her age she's just like a sort of like an unshakable presence in new orleans and she's not some sort of like weird old hag in the woods who you go to for like dark favors everybody knows who she is she's out she's open in the public she owns her hair salon and i think it's just like a very fun modernization of the monstrous feminine in a way that I think, I mean, listen, we gonna get into it because it do miss. It misses in the way that just like media's depictions of voodoo miss. I <laughs> can accept that. But as, <laughs> I can accept that because I think if I were to list the other people who would be my favorite, I would run into yeah. similar issues. That's right. just that, you know, we don't, we don't just don't get total control of those narratives and how they splay out and how accurate, accurate things are. I also wanted to know, my second follow-up catch-up point was, if you could have any one of, like, the witchy powers, like, which one would you want? So there's clairvoyance, resurrection, human voodoo doll, psychism, pyrokinesis, killing boys through sex, mind control via spit in a cup, 
divination, transmutation, and then like where you go to hell and like come back. I don't even understand particularly what that is, except for guessing the number of objects or guessing where shit was. I mean, divination also includes like all forms of future telling. So like tarot, bone reading, all that kind of thing. Like it's not as it's not as clear as like Alice in Twilight where she just like has visions or like that's so raven. I always interpreted divination as like using tools, magical tools to ask questions and get answers. I think mine would probably be resurrection. I think that would be interesting. Like resurrection slash healing. I would want Misty's powers. I don't know if I could handle the responsibility of of resurrection because I feel like I'd be playing God. I know that's a really religious phrase for me to use, but like, I don't know how else to, like, I just don't think I would be, I don't feel like I could handle that power, but I would really like, I've always liked the idea of like mind reading or like clairvoyance or something like that. I feel like I would hurt my own feelings too much. Like maybe I, I would use it in the wrong. Like, do you have a crush on me? And they'd be like, she's literally the ugliest person I've ever seen in my life. And I'll be like, oh my god. I'd be like, am I gonna get a promotion this week? And then she's I'd be getting like, fired. Not you're getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> and some things I'd rather find out spontaneously. <laughs> like maybe you'll be like, I think my husband's planning a surprise. You'd be like, no, babe, he's cheating on you. He's serving you divorce papers. Like, no, too many instances where I could hurt my own feelings. If we're being real, though, the most iconic power of this season was the killer pussy, and the most mon femme power of them all. The Monstrous Feminine is on TikTok, so go leave us a comment. If you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout out in our next episode as our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week is Worm Craps Good, who commented on our It TikTok and said, Mary Poppins is the same species as It, just feeds on happiness instead of fear. I'm gonna be honest, I haven't seen Mary Poppins since I was like six, so I really couldn't tell you what that movie is about in detail. I mean, does she have a, does she have an origin story? She could very well be from space. I don't know. You guys should always comment on our stuff with your own theories because we like to hear them. We want to hear them. We might discuss them on our episodes for sure. Friendly reminder, we are also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear a cut discussion from our main episodes. And for £5, you get all that plus a bonus episode. So please support us. Any contribution helps. What do you guys think of the general representation of voodooism in this series? Obviously, this series covers many a thing, but to narrow it down, we are going to like go at this mostly with this voodoo lens yeah honestly i'm gonna be a hundred percent and say i feel as though i do not know enough about voodoo (laughs) to take offense or say what is right or wrong about the representation of it on the show i would definitely be grasping for straws because i truly don't know what i did like about the way that it went about witchcraft and voodoo on the show was addressing similarities I would say and also talking about the way that many of the practices or things that people consider witchcraft have destigmatized because it is associated with like white women and white witchcraft did originate from voodoo and also like talking about tichaba and just like the origin of witchcraft in general I did like. See that was actually the point that I wasn't sure about in the lore where we're talking about Salem and that is where we're originating from. We don't go further back than that. That the white witches learned magic from Tichuba, who, if folks listening don't know, was like a real black slave woman accused of being a witch in Salem, along with like the other white witches. But in American Horror Story lore, we're meant to believe that she taught the white women how to do all this witchcraft. 
and that what they're doing is actually not different and that it doesn't come from like different lines that's where i was like sort of confused because that implies that white people were not doing magic before salem which i think sort of like kind of like goes against their own lore of like how old their system is and how the supremes work like it's implied that like there was magic before salem it's just salem was like an incident related to magic or maybe that they learned more magic in Salem from Tichuba. Like, like that was what was murky to me. And I didn't, I don't know if I like believing that they're practicing the same type of magic, that voodoo and white magic, like white magic, air quotes, as it is practiced by the white witches. And also, I guess, well, Queenie we can get to. I just don't necessarily believe that what they're doing is the same practice because like the white witches have a very specific system and like you said, like there's this, like the powers they have to go through. There's a way of becoming a supreme. They have all sorts of like tests and rituals and leagues of powers that they can or cannot get. And the rules seem very different from the rules of voodoo as they're presented in this world. So that's where I was like, everything got muddled. Honestly, my interpretation of it was more of like the way that things have been co-opted in like a public sphere. Because I think there's so much more stigma around voodoo than there is around witchcraft. But in actuality, Do you think so both... in this series as well? I mean, even in this series, to be honest. I guess cause only because I'm thinking of the witch hunter character. But he, the witch hunter character does kill literally every black person in that salon. So I guess they do get punished. But it wasn't like he was organized... Like, Queenie, when she was living in the coven, like, her powers weren't taken very seriously at all. To the point where, I think it's Mary Laveau, that's Angela Bassett, right? She ends up taking Queenie in, being like, yeah, like, these white witches are really not paying attention to you. They're not helping you reach your potential. And she has to take her under her wing because they pretty much just kind of brush off her power because they don't understand it until it's, like, useful for them to learn about voodoo. I definitely agree with you that like they aren't practicing the same thing just because there's so much other cultural aspects and spiritual aspects of voodoo than what they're doing. We only get like little bits and pieces of even what they're doing. Like there's there's montages of Angela Bassett like sacrificing an animal like the snake or a chicken or something. Like it's very like vague what she has to do to get her, her to her desired goal, like to resurrect the zombies or to, I guess it's almost like possession. She like controls people's bodies. Like the things that she is able to do is completely different from what the white witches are even I able think because to do. like in modern day, it feels like a lot of things have been like muddled together. There are definitely people who are like purely do voodoo or hoodoo. But I feel like from what I've seen on like social media and the way that people talk about stuff, there's a lot of uh, go between between people who um, will co-op things from other forms of magic or witchcraft into like one thing. And I don't think, I don't know. I don't know the rules. I don't know the rules. <laughs> so I can't say but I've seen like people talk about like the old or older origins of things in terms of there were witch trials in Europe as well that's where the Maleficus Malicurum or I think that's what it's called but like the Hammer of Witches was like written in Germany so there's definitely been talk of witchcraft before the Salem witch trials but yeah I <laughs> think in like the modern case of like people kind of muddle everything together and it starts to be really unclear of where the origins of things came from so I think they aren't practicing the same thing and those things didn't necessarily come from each other but then again I don't know I will say something that I think they did get not right but different than the other media representations is that 
all the voodoo magic has to do with like deals and exchanges. So like you go to a deity in this case, I don't know who they were saying it was actually in this case, because it did like, it looks like it could be many different Yoruba deities, but whatever, they go to him and it's like you exchange your soul for something, or you promise that every year you're going to do a sacrifice for them, or you promise that you're going to like forever be in their control or in their debt or in their favor for the power that you're receiving. I want to talk about like the representation slash treatment of black people in this series. I was reading a good essay by Amanda K. LeBlanc called There's Nothing I Hate More Than a Racist, in quotes, recentering whiteness in American Horror Story Coven. And this essay was basically, I mean, essentially just pointing out like the kind of problematic use of black people um the first point that um leblanc raises is like the violence obviously as i mentioned like everyone in the salon like dies brutally and like they don't they don't come back like these the white witches do have violence against them but they ended up like coming back and whatnot and the other and so i quote leblanc says that the coven disproportionately relies on violence against black bodies in order to provide horror to the audience the show focuses on the gruesomeness of dismemberment and murder while ignoring the white politics behind those acts and it disproportionately um, also presents black bodies as victims of violence. And then she kind of adds later on, much of the horror in Coven depends on graphic violence against black people as a storytelling device. Like white characters too are victims of violence, but they are killed or maimed individually and we get to know their backstory. Whereas the horrific dismemberment of all the black men, the slaves in Coven serves no other narrative purpose than to construct La Lurie's uh, character as an outdated racist. White characters and motivations drive the story here and blackness is the collateral damage. I definitely agree with some of the points that you said in that piece. The only thing I think we should probably note is that there was a horrific gang rape scene on like the first episode, which honestly to me was probably one of the worst rape scenes I've ever seen on a television show and I thought it was really unnecessary. I think the series in general was a bit muddled about it being like so female centered but also having so many like graphic so much graphic violence against women i did have a note later on about like in general like there's excessive sexual assault um like i never mentioned madison's gang rape and also kyle's incestuous abuse so it's not just not even just women but like yeah there's just a lot of things i just felt like why why do we have that and i'll get to it in just a second but the second point in this essay by LeBlanc was about stereotypes and they talk about Patricia Hill Collins's black feminist thought text where um, she's basically talking about like stereotypes against black people and the fact that black men and I quote are presented as like animals with uncontrollable sexual desires are a long-standing stereotype that works to dehumanize bodies of color as uncivilized or brutish and she argues that this film does it by literally turning him into a beast uh, Marie Laveau's lover and then also she comments on Queenie's portrayal as a sexual woman aligns with bell hooks assertion and then she's quoting bell hooks which is that the black body gains attention only when it is synonymous with accessibility availability when it is sexually deviant which kind of goes back to yeah the use of sex in this is also very horrifically violent and weird like that whole minotaur scene with queenie was very odd very uncomfortable seemed really out of place i don't know why all of a sudden she was like touching herself and like acting like that like we'd had no insight into her like sexuality before then and we don't even have it after and it's like I don't know if it's implied that they that he like attacked her or like assaulted her it's like really ambiguous and so I agree that like in general I think this series 
uses sex in a very odd manner across like racial divides there but yeah i think the issue comes up and this is like across horror as a genre and we come across this all the time but specifically like in american horror story is like sex is present throughout all the seasons as like a site for horror but the issue is that like in a story that involves race or that has characters that aren't white it's just gonna land different so the minotaur is actually like a very similar thematic device or character as like the rubber man from season one. It's just this like blank behind the eyes figure of sex and aggression and violation. It's essentially the same character. The difference is that white people do not have a history of like being dehumanized in the same way or of sexual violence that happens in the same way. So it just like, it just comes off wrong, right? It's not it's not different from the, from the ways that the show uses sex and especially like anonymity in sex or dehumanization in sex, which is a theme throughout horror, but it's one of those shows that, as we know, is unafraid to reference or not reference. So like the horror genre at large, it's going to have the same problems of when you incorporate race into traditional horror tropes, you got to be like really careful or it goes like off the rails mad fast. There was a lot of muddled themes of like sex and abuse in this. Madison and Kyle none of that was consensual he was not even able to talk for like 90 percent of the show so but like imagine if he had been a black character absolutely unacceptable like that is where like it goes from like wrong and taboo to like a hundred percent why did you do that there are a lot of things in the show like honestly this is probably my favorite season of american horror story because it kind of went off the rails after this one like hotel also had the same weird sex issues where it was linking sex and horror but in a way that was just like I, I didn't want to see it on TV. That chainsaw anal scene it still haunts my memory. In this one I felt like a lot of it didn't actually need to be there to tell the story of either of them. Madison could have killed all the frat boys on the bus a completely different way without them having a violent gang rape of her. There was certainly another way that they could have made her angry enough. Yeah, to she was a very volatile bus, person, like. <laughs> like in general. Like it could have been as simple as they insulted her ego and she probably would have killed them. Like, why did we need that? I didn't think that was necessary, especially like showing so much of it. It was incredibly triggering and horrific to sh show on TV. Then the continued thing of what was essentially assault on Kyle with Madison and she just wanted like a toy. Gross. The thing with Queenie and the centaur, yes, also gross. Just so many question marks where I was just like, I don't know why this was needed narratively. I didn't actually remember a lot of this because the first time I saw it, there's just so many iconic moments of the show where there's one-liners and stuff where you won't necessarily pick it up on a first watch. But seeing this again for like, honestly, at this point, I think like the third or fourth time I was like, and looking for things <laughs> to talk about <laughs> on the pod made me see a lot of different things that I didn't see before in the show where I was just like, oh my gosh, this was not needed narratively. Also... Jessica Lange's character, Fiona, and Mary Laveau's character, their alliance together almost felt a bit more like mamming because she did have to show Fiona how to use her powers and take care of her and watch her die and build this friendship that almost felt like green room. Not, not green room. I like the movie green room, green book. That's what I'm looking for. Green book. The way that they meet is so interesting too because she like shows up at the salon and she's like, 
visibly uncomfortable Fiona is. Like she ma- she makes some comment like, oh, no, she like pulls her hair too tight. She's like, whatever. She got like, she's tender headed and she pulls on her hair too tight. She's like, oh, you're not used to doing like white people's hair in this part of town, are you? And they're like, oh, we're not used to white people in this part of town, point blank, like at all. And then like everyone's laughing at her. They're like, it's, it reminds me of that scene in Hairspray where... <laughs> Um, it's like very similar unafraid to reference or not reasons where um, Amber's mom is like going to the black part of town to like pick up her daughter. This is from the original, but I think it happens in the remake too. Like pick up her daughter at the, the record store. It's like always like a record store, a hair salon. You know, people where black people hang out. And they like go there and they have this like weird exchange where they like have to verbalize like what is uncomfortable about like a white person in a black space. And then she's like, uh, she makes a comment to Angela Bassett basically about like, oh, how do you look so young? Like, I know you're old as dirt, bitch. Like, we all are, us witches. We're, like, like, what's your secret? Because like, she, we know what she's been doing to like stay young, which is to remain supreme and to like suck the power from the young people. We know what she's doing, but she doesn't know how Angela Bassett has managed to not age this whole time. And that is how their alliance forms. It's through like the weird, shallow, petty goals of Fiona. Like it never made sense to me. I'm like, Fiona, all you want is to stay young? Like what a weird motivation for all this. But to me, it like trivializes their alliance. Do you know what I mean? Like the, like Fiona's motivations are so shallow and Marie Louveau's are like so deeply rooted in something else. Like the reason she, the reason she uses her magic is so different and not self-serving in the way that Fiona's is in the way that like, I do not get how they got to be best. It didn't really make sense, but it's just fun for the audience to see two iconic, powerful actresses teamed up on screen. I love Angela Bassett and I love Jessica Lange. So like seeing them together on TV, it took me out of it. And then seeing it again, I was like, how? (laughs) And then there's also the factor of like, Kathy Bates character who Daphne LaLaurie her character who's a fiery racist disgusting horrible trash somehow starts to get factored into the coven in a redemption arc way as like now that I'm around the negroes they not so bad and I was like this is weird especially the fact that they kind of like start making it where Mary and her start having like a banterous fun friendship and I'm like this is enough But like with everyone in the coven in general, they just kind of like start enjoying her company almost as like they go from hating her to being like, oh, yeah, this is like pet racist. Yeah, our friendly neighborhood (laughs) racist. And they go from like avidly hating her and doing things that would mean to to being like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Like she's here. Like that's part of the family. And I'm like, what? Especially because regardless of if she has some realization of her actions were wrong, the stuff that she did was so horrific that there was no redemption arc. There should have been no forgiveness or anything like that, but it, it just doesn't come up at all. Like there's, it was just weird. Like her character didn't even it was, need to be there. Um, that was another point that they, that LeBlanc discussed in their essay. And it was about colorblindness in American Horror Story. And the fact that a lot of violence against black people without actually interrogating racial politics. Essentially, LeBlanc argues that this is like Delphine LaLaurie. They situate like the racism with her and therefore in the past and ignore how these politics are playing out in the present day, especially within the feud between Fiona and Marie Laveau, because 
The fact that they have like beef on site is obviously racially motivated, but it goes without saying. And then Fiona is like an obviously like racist or prejudiced character. She frees her in the first place from her purgatory that like Marie Laveau had like buried her to suffer for the rest of eternity. She gets her out. So obviously she's already like showing kindness to somebody who didn't deserve it. And then she pairs her with Queenie thinking that that would not be like a destructive thing to do or like torture for Queenie like subjects her to that um and it's meant to be like punishment and like you said like comedic relief like haha when actually it's like what are we doing like why why are we doing this but then alongside that there's like this weird almost like in get out where it's like I would have voted for Obama a third time if I could. Liberal politics that happen here with Fiona because she says like, I voted, she literally says she voted for Obama. I don't know why voting for Obama is like the benchmark of like progress here if you're a white person. But anyway, she says that she voted for Obama. She says that like, we have a lot of like black people and like power now to um, Lullerie. And then Fiona says like, you've got a lot to learn. And then she says, which is the title of LeBlanc's essay, There's Nothing to Hate More Than a Racist. And it's like, it's so weird that she's saying that because actually she is like quite a racist character herself. It's just not spoken about. And I think that that was a really poignant point in this essay about like the color blindness of this season and how like the racial politics are really weird. Well, they had to have Lalaurie so no one else appeared to be racist because like she had to be so extreme that everyone else was just like neutral. We've said on like every episode where there was race horror we've said they make it so extreme that nothing else meets the benchmark like everything else just seems mild in comparison because it's not that forthright and that's how it was the entire time they wrote off queenie for like 90 percent of the show none of the other witches in the coven were particularly close to her or even nice to her or thought her power was special if, if nothing else like they attempt to do what is essentially like colorblind Cassie, like similar to like Shondaland and that like it doesn't always hit like y'all like if I were to look at their cast blindly and not know what characters they were playing I'd be like that it's a very diverse cast <laughs> like and and the issue is the execution they cast very diversely and I really appreciate that they have casted disabled characters to play disabled characters or um like even on the season that has Angelica I can't remember her last name she's on um the one with Emma Roberts where they're in the camp setting and I really appreciate that they didn't make transness the center of her story the same way that I appreciate they didn't make Queenie's being centered around her like being heavier black woman or anything like that that wasn't the center of it I appreciate those things however the execution is the problem they put the characters in place and then they don't necessarily think of how things can go wrong when you don't address the elephant in the room sometimes that wasn't a problem in 1984 that didn't fucking matter but in this season it was i think a problem. that's why the seasons that work the best are the ones that sort of have these blank slate contexts right like slavery in new orleans and the history of magic in new orleans is not a blank slate but something like a haunted house is a blank slate like a spooky camp is a blank slate so that kind of casting only works in on, in those types of seasons whereas like the seasons that have cultural context beyond like even hotel a hotel is like it's like pretty it's like pretty neutral territory whereas like the circus in a freak show is not there's a lot of history behind those types of things even like an asylum or like religious institutions or like the church i really do like asylum i think it's a very scary season but they do like incorporate like nazism and like things that have cultural context existent beyond just like 
the four walls of that story. So I think that like, I really do like American Horror Story. Like as a show, I'm a big fan and I've like seen every season and I find it like endlessly fascinating. I think because it is so informed by the horror genre, like to see what they do with things. But like, I would sit back and say like the seasons that are the best are the ones that sort of like exist in their own isolated world and don't try to do too much as far as like having outside societal conversations contributing to the script or to the story yeah i think the season is still like a strong season and it's enjoyable to watch but they certainly did have issues with stuff that was like an just an elephant in the room that they weren't addressing like why were only certain witches ever considered as a potential supreme which was mainly just misty and madison were like the only contenders who were really considered so much so that her own daughter was written off because she was like too weak and then also her anger towards cordelia when cordelia goes and gets her husband's baby gravy and is trying to have a baby and she goes to the voodoo um to fix that and then her character is like very angry at her for even trying to use voodoo to get pregnant that was super interesting scene she was like you make us look weak if you go to ask for them for help that they think we can't solve a simple fertility problem but she couldn't because her daughter couldn't get pregnant and she uses magic so much for her own vanity and for her own benefit that it was bizarre that she would be angry at her for something like that so it was an indication that she did look down or felt competitive with i was about to say should i say voodoo witches or voodoo practitioners i don't know they call them the black witches Well, that's the other thing. It's so racialized in their own language that it's crazy that we're not viewing this feud as racially motivated to begin with. Especially when we know that they've been alive for so long. So it's a hard sell to me that they're saying that there's no part of Fiona that's racist, but she's been alive for hundreds of years. Unless it's trying to be like a commentary on white liberalism, but I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was that self-aware. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't really have a beef with Ryan Murphy or Brad Falchuk, so, but like they're both white dudes who live in like California, so I don't think they're that self-aware to know about like white liberal issues with race. And I honestly could do a whole podcast on Ryan Murphy. We've said it before, like the Ryan, I think you said it, Zay, but the Ryan Murphy gaze is like its own gaze. And it's very... It's very violently homosexual, and I mean that literally. Like, it's not like aggressively homosexual. I mean, it's like it's violent against homosexuals. <laughs> he has an infinite supply of attractive men with brown hair and blue eyes. Like, he just keeps them locked away <laughs> in an attic and they just come out. And I will say, he is loyal to his actors. Like, once he decides that you're one of his, he will recast you over and over and over and over and over again. And I love who his favorites are, too. I respect his picks. Even if it's like an actor who I know to be like interpersonally not a good person, I still love the way he casts them. Like I think he is a really good like developer of a cast. And I like that he's like consistently goes back to the actors of color and like the actors with disabilities and like difference of age ranges as well that he casts that like he returns to those people I appreciate. He really showed the the world how great of an actress Sarah Paulson was because she kind of got overlooked a lot. The same way that like Christina Ricci when she did a press when she was doing press for Yellow Jackets was saying she found her home in horror because mainstream Hollywood really 
cast her and stuff because they didn't find her leading lady pretty enough quote unquote and I feel like it was similarly with Sarah Paulson even though I think both her and Christina Ricci are absolutely gorgeous and I would watch anything they were in there is like this perception of who gets to be a leading lady and who gets to be the sidekick and you have to find your your genre and through American Horror Story Sarah Paulson was able to really showcase her talent by playing so many different roles and I think he's really He's done a really good job about showing, letting people showcase their talent. It's separate kind of from the voodoo point, but I want to talk about the bit more about the vagina dentata and the mon femme that is Zoe. Because if we cast our memories back to, to teeth when we were talking about vagina dentatas and Barbara Creed's take, she is talking about like the history of it. And she says that you like, according to Freud, like a lot of the vagina dentata lore came to be like associated with virgins like this idea of like mystery like it might be a a revenge thing like vengeance for her defloration and I just thought that was basically the first time increases like induces penis envy or virginity heightens the fear of castration anxiety I thought that was interesting because obviously her character is a virgin when it first happens so it's kind of like going in with that Freudian perception of it and then to quote Creed she says that the vagina dentata is particularly relevant to the iconography of the horror film, which abounds images that play on the fear of castration and dismemberment. And it can be understood in two different ways. Castration can refer to symbolic castration, like loss of the mother's body or identity or something, or it can be literal genital castration. And I thought that was interesting when you consider Kyle and why Kyle isn't like affected by Zoe and they kind of just vaguely use the argument that he's already dead but I think if you're viewing like castration as like dismemberment he was already dismembered so he's like debatedly already been castrated in that way like literally I mean his penis isn't even his real penis when they, they make a joke about it that they took the best parts from each of the boys and then he's also already been castrated like symbolically by his mother being the fact that she you know, assaulted him. And she represents that kind of monstrous mother figure, like that pre-eatable mother who threatens to engulf the infant, like basically reabsorbing them, the infant into the womb and like devouring them. You lose your identity. You all become one. Because she had like this pedophilic obsession. I had completely forgot that happened in that show until you just said that. And now it's, it's another I, side plot remember. with like bizarre sexual like aggression. It's very mon femme, I'll give it that. They actually have a, quite a few seasons where there's a weird mother-son relationship because there was also a weird one with like Dandy on the carnival season as well. But I do feel like all those like themes that show up in multiple seasons are references to like Psycho and all the f- films that have referenced Psycho. They do, yeah, I, I agree. They definitely do a great job at like incorporating horror tropes and references. With her case... It felt different the way that we've seen Vajana Dentata in the past because it wasn't acts of revenge. Like the first time that she ended up killing someone, she was losing her virginity, but it was to her boyfriend and it wasn't assault at all. It was... Yeah. But then she does kill the other surviving um, rapist, that rape Madison who survived the car crash. She goes and kills him. So she becomes it later, uh, a rape revenge. I feel like I wouldn't want that as a power. Even to have to do that as revenge, which is, I would be like, not... I would not be feeling it. It is a curse. I mean, we covered that in teeth, but it is a curse. Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Mon Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on TikTok at The Monstrous Feminine Pod. Brooms up, which is out.